When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Know what's happening? It's 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 time to get in the huddle with Carl Duke, Brian Baldinger, and Jason Lacanfora. Back for another edition of In the Huddle. It's 2024, guys. Carl Dukes put him up along with my man Jason Lacanfora, and of course, Baldy will be here on Thursday. And guys, we have one week left. One week left in the NFL. There's still a lot to be determined. We're going to talk about what we saw coming off of the holiday because. There was a lot of intriguing stuff that played out. But the thing we need to start with is the top two seeds, Jason, are decided. And listen, I've loved probably more the Ravens than you because you see their flaws. You know how this team is built. But I've loved them all season, and we've kind of gone back and forth. And the way they've dominated the 49ers and then to finish, you know, last week against the Dolphins, I think Lamar's the MVP now. Yep. Just it's all coming together at the right time. They are the top seed in the AFC. The 49ers are the top seed in the NFC. Let's start with the Ravens and your impressions. And now everything goes through Baltimore. Well, first of all, um, they've done a tremendous job. I mean, every time they've had to meet a challenge, they've met it and they've met it um, resoundingly. Right. They've met it emphatically. And they did it again on Sunday, what I thought would be a close, low-scoring game turned out to be um, a complete and thorough thrashing in a a very high-scoring game. High-scoring because, you know, one team scored 56 points. (laughs) What they've done facing teams three games uh, above 500 or over and and smashing all those teams by 14 points or more, um, it doesn't happen very often in this league. They've led at the two-minute warning in every game this season. That doesn't happen very often in this league. Um, They are a special group. And the reality is we're at the new year, and you could literally pull out a notebook and write down five or six plays that if they went slightly different, Mm. we're talking about a team chasing history. We're talking about an undefeated team. I mean, it's literally a a fumble in Pittsburgh. You know, it's a missed Justin Tucker field goal against the Colts. Like, you might even be able to distill it down to three or four plays that would have them sitting here at 16-0. and And then we'd be having even a more different conversation about what they should do in week 18. Uh, But the, the, the schedule down the stretch looked like a gauntlet, and it was a gauntlet. You know, and and they faced a weird run of coaches for good teams who are all from the same family tree, who are all interconnected, who are literally brothers, Zach Taylor, Press Taylor, or they are brothers in football, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, right? And and those guys and Zach Taylor are all out of that same, you know, McVay, Shanahan family tree. And they, they, they destroyed most of those teams. You know, they survived the Rams. Uh, 
and they did it in again um they did it in an emphatic fashion and they did it uh with with their best player lamar jackson putting an exclamation point behind uh his name as an mvp candidate he it would now be a complete and thorough shocker and upset if he didn't win this award and if he didn't win it going away so there hasn't been an afc championship game in this town since i was three years old 1977 We'll see. Wow. And that was the Baltimore Colts and the Oakland Raiders. We'll see if this team can get it done. You know, the Ravens, their playoff history has always been run the ball, play defense. We can go on the road and beat you in your own place. And that's what they've had to do. Most of their playoff wins um, have been on the road. Uh, I think they learned from 2019. It's a different group in many ways, but some of the same sort of um, leaders are there at least enough. And, uh, now they get two weeks off, basically, right? Three weeks. I mean, they won't play this week. They won't play next week. And then they've got a whole nother week of practice and preparation into the divisional round. I uh, I really love what they've done all year defensively, which I think is going to help keep them in these games. And then if you get the special plays from Lamar, anything is possible. And it's interesting you mentioned that because I kind of forgot the last time they went to the Super Bowl, they had to go on the road to get there, oh, yeah. right? They, that wasn't an AFC championship game in Baltimore. So, yeah, man, that's interesting to think about from that perspective. And I heard Harbaugh say, too, and, and, and just talk a little bit about this, because he said, we remember 19. Uh, we remember 2019. And, and even though some of the personnel has changed, can they really grow from that experience? And Lamar, guys – as great as he's been, and and Jason and I have been advocates for Lamar. We both wanted the guy paid. Jason told you months ago that this management and this ownership group was bullshitting, right? The way they went about their business, and then they finally cut the check, and now look at what's happening. But he is one in three in the playoffs, right? I mean, that's the question for Lamar is, okay, dude, another great season, unbelievable plays, but can you get it done in the playoffs? So this time off, I think, should do them well. Yeah, I mean, look, it's always that rust, um, you know, the rest versus rust debate. Um, but I, I, is it really a debate? You know, like, can John Harbaugh really go out here in a game that they have nothing to gain against the Pittsburgh Steelers and play a bunch of guys even for a quarter, you know, or, Jason, or two series or three series? You can't, right? Like, you, you can't. Yeah. These guys have seen J.K. Dobbins go down for the season – on the first play from scrimmage against Washington in a preseason game. Like, I, I just don't think there really is a debate there. Like, if, if you don't handle this well and your team comes back and they're sloppy and they're off kilter and they beat themselves, then that's on you and how you handled this two- or three-week respite. But you have to take the two- or three-week respite. Even with them having a late bye, right, week 12, 13, whatever it was, I, I just don't think – there's a whole lot to be gained from going out there and saying, oh, well, we played three series of football and we had a touchdown and two field goals. Like, you know what I mean? And then you're still going to lose to Pittsburgh anyway because they're going to play desperate to win the whole four That's quarters. Right. That's right. So you just have to manage that. And I do think they'll learn from the 2019 experience. And that was a very different Lamar, Lamar Jackson, right? That, I mean, he was that was his first year as a full-time starter in the NFL. Um they suffered some key injuries in week 16, week 17. Like you had guys like Mark Andrews pick up a late injury, Mark Ingram pick up a late injury, whereas now, you know, I, I think they're, they're in even better position to manage that. Um, 
And 2019 was a magic carpet ride where no one thought they'd be that great. They blew Miami out week one. They played with leads all year. Like there was one game script, right? We got to run the ball 45 times. We yeah. got to get the early lead. You know, we, we got to get into third and two and third and one and third and three. Otherwise, we're screwed. Go watch Lamar Jackson throwing the ball on first down against the Miami Dolphins. It was an absolute and utter um, dismantling. I, I mean, I, I think he was like 13 of 15 for 160 yards and three touchdowns uh, on throwing on first down, like first down play action against the defense that had been the second best to Baltimore in the AFC. They absolutely destroyed. This isn't about run, run, throw when you have to. This is about throwing whenever you want to, even if you don't have Mark Andrews, you know, even if your two starting tackles aren't what you thought they were going to be. So I, I think it's a very different thing. I think they've dealt with different sorts of adversity than that 2019 team did. I think this defense is much more legit than the 2019 defense, where really they were never on the field because Baltimore held the ball 35 yards, 35 minutes a game. You know what I mean? That defense had to get two stops in the second half and they win. Like, so I'm more inclined to believe that this is um, this team is more fortified for a long playoff run, and that they've learned from their past mistakes. And and boy, they've scored 30 points on everybody at home. Uh, so I, I look anything less than a championship game would have people incredibly disappointed around here. What do you think about the 49ers in the NFC as a top seed? Before we talk about some of the other things that happened, including the debacle. In Dallas with Detroit, Detroit got robbed. We'll get to that. Races in the NFC South and AFC South. But the 49ers here, I'll mention this, guys, because um, even though the Ravens beat them down, they made some NFL history last week. McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, and George Kittle each finished with 1,000 yards from, from scrimmage. It's the first time in NFL history you've had a running back, yeah. <laughs> a tight end, and both wide receivers, receivers. Yeah, finish with 1,000 yards from, from scrimmage. So as bad as that game may have looked for the Ravens, you know, to beat them down, this is still a very good team. They're dangerous. We may see a replay of, of what we saw with the Ravens and 49ers in the Super Bowl this year. Who knows? But my point is they have the number one seed in the NFC. And, Jason, you've been saying this. Who's going to go out there and beat those guys? Who's, who's going to go out there and beat them? It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Um, and it's not going to be Baltimore. They did it, but they don't have to go back out there. Um, obviously, if they meet again, they meet in Vegas. Now, I'll say this about the 49ers. Like, we just had this discussion about the Ravens and rest versus rust. I, I'm, I won't say worried, worried too strong of a, of a word. I'm, I'm slightly concerned about them because they didn't go out and respond from that uh, meltdown against the Ravens with their best game of the year. You know, that was a pretty middling performance against a horrible commander's team, you know, that got stuck playing Sam Howe when they really wanted to play Jacoby Brissett. And the 49ers didn't run away and hide. That wasn't a game where Kyle Shanahan could pull all his starters five minutes into the second half. You know, like it, 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 you know, it wasn't. Um, it was workmanlike, but it wasn't, like, thorough. They didn't reflex their muscles to me. Right. And then now they play the Rams, and that's a weird game, right? That's a rivalry game, but it doesn't matter for either team. 
Like that's Carson Wentz against Sam Darnold. That's an exhibition game. And then they've got their week off. And then, you know, they'll play their first real game at home since Baltimore emasculated them on national television. And and whoever they're playing, they'll, they'll have a decided advantage on in terms of talent. And they'll probably be, you know, an eight-point favorite. And they'll probably win. But I, I – I think the Rams could go in there and beat them. And I don't love what the Rams did in the second half against the Giants again. I I have issues with them and how they handle big leads and when they stop going for the jugular. But I think that would be an interesting matchup. Those two coaches know each other so well. Um, you know, you saw Sam Darn, uh, uh, Matt Stafford get blitzed like crazy by the Giants. And that was sort of the way to get him early in the year. And this was an interesting test. Like, what will happen if somebody blitzes him 75% of the time um, as presently constituted? And he, he threw for, what, 320? He should he could have thrown for 400 if they didn't stop throwing the ball. Um, and he held up pretty well. And the offensive line held up well enough. They're, they're, they're going to be a tough team to derail in the playoffs. I, I really believe they're balanced enough that they could go in there and the longer they high hang with the 49ers, the more interesting it could get. Um, so I, I think the Rams will have learned from that experience. Like they've had a bunch of close calls and well, nothing's bit them in the ass yet. Um, but I, 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 I think they're dangerous, Carl. I, I, yeah. yeah. I, you know, I, I think, I think the lions or the Rams because of how physical they are up front, because of how good their offensive lines are and because of the way they can run the football. I think those two teams are, are the two in the NFC that can make it interesting out in Santa Clara. The rest of the group, I I just, I, I don't buy. It's a great point, Jason. Jason Lock on four, guys. Carl Dukes, it's in the huddle. Subscribe, like us, and of course, follow us on YouTube in the uh, huddle pod. And you can check out this podcast. Subscribe. It's a new year, but hey, the season is winding down, and we are getting ready for the playoffs. Chiefs are in. They win the AFC West for the eighth straight year. Browns are in. Dolphins are in, even though we have a big game coming up this weekend with the Bills. We, there's just so much at stake. If the Bills win, they win the season series, and, of course, they win that division again. So there's just a lot to uh, to look ahead to. Let's talk about Detroit, since you're, you mentioned them, as one of the teams that maybe could go out and, and do something against the 49ers. How the hell, Jason, do these officials miss this? Now, there's video out there, guys, of all three of these offensive linemen going over to the official. And you want me to believe that none of these guys said anything. They just all walked up to the official and didn't say anything. And the official was like, okay. And then the play starts. They get the two-point conversion. And yet it's called back, right? I mean, like, I just, I was frustrated for the Lions. And I thought they got robbed on this. Yeah. To hear Dan Campbell after the game, uh, his passion, you know, he's like, listen, I don't like losing. He didn't want to criticize the refs because he knows what that's about and he was going to get fined. But this was egregious, bro. This was uh, – how do you not see that video and say, hey, I'm eligible. Coaches talked to you before the game. Told well, you that, I'm eligible. Right? That for me is the key thing. That's why they have the 90-minute meeting is to go over this stuff. And there's no way that Dan Campbell didn't tell them, hey – here's what I'm doing. Here's why I think it's within the, 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 the rules of the game, you know, but there's deception involved. 
and there's going to be three of these guys coming over to you, and they're not all going to be eligible. And if you have a problem with that, right, then let's discuss it here and nip it in the bud. Because if I need a go-to play to win this game on a two-point conversion or, you know, a, a fourth and two uh, pass, this is what I'm going to call. Like, I, I have to believe that he explained that play in its totality to them. Otherwise, what, what's the like? What's the point of telling them at all, right? If you're not going to give them the full month, right? right. If you're not right. going to explain, here's the rub, you know, a couple guys are going to go over there. They're not all going to declare. Um, and then the way Jared Goff uh, uh, handled it in real time, and you saw him make sure that Decker went over there, there's no doubt in my mind that they checked every box they had to check <laughs> and that the, these officials individually or collectively dropped the ball and sort of forgot what was what and just assume, you know, that certain people had to be eligible and and the the real shame in it is you've got a one-off game in a window that was created just for tv and you can't you can't get your tv product right like it th this wasn't the 1 p.m window on sunday when there were 10 games being played at once this was it this was it you'd think you'd have your best and brightest in new york you know what i mean and somebody yeah. to buzz down or again you should have officiating hubs in all these stadiums if you would spend the money that's required to build the infrastructure and train people year round in the art of officiating and frankly, keep people like Gene Steratore and Mike Pereira and Dean Blandell from leaving your office to go to TV to make more money. Like you're, you're the league, you're the league. Each of these teams is worth billions of dollars. You can't keep, you don't care enough to keep your best and brightest. Like, the shame is is that it's a procedural mistake that falls through the cracks at the stadium, and then also chain of command in New York, which again, um, you think they're they're not paying people real money there. They're they're not really trying. Like right. that's not staffed with with more people than you know necessary just in case. There's not all these fail safes and catch alls, and there's not <laughs> much of a safety net because the owners don't want to pay for it. And, you know, just like they don't want to pay to really develop players in a spring league. So now we'll see what this latest merger looks like. The, the NFL can have their own year-round incubator for, for players and officials. And they can play as many exhibition games as they want. And they could try out as many rule changes as they want if they really cared about innovation. And if they really cared about um, the quality of play and the integrity of the games and um, – if they really cared about officiating, but maybe some of them think this stuff is good for business. You know, they just look at it as a soap opera, right? They look at it as reality TV and these plot twists are good. And only one of us billionaires is going to get to kiss that trophy at the end of the year anyway. So this is good for business. I, I don't know, but it's shameful. It's shameful. No doubt. That's a great way to explain it. Guys, let's talk about the NFC South and the AFC South. Both have become a mess. Well, the NFC South has been a mess. The AFC South all of a sudden now is Colts, Texans, Jags, because the Jags have been screwing around, right? Colts take on the Texans. We're going to talk about this with Baldy on Saturday, uh, uh, Thursday and get more insight. But basically the winner's in because you're going to have a wild card winner there or a potential division winner, depending. 
if the Jags win Sunday, they they clinch the AFC South. But both of these divisions in the NFC South, Falcons, oh, what a mess that is, okay? Terrible. Terrible, terrible. terrible. And then the Saints, all of a sudden, you know, they play the Saints on Sunday, and then you've got Tampa struggling to try to win this division. We know Carolina and Dave Tepper's throwing drinks on fans. I mean, this thing is uh, it's a Nasty. complete blank show right now when you talk about this division as a whole, Jason. Yeah. Um, it, it, it Look, uh, there are a lot of people who were trying to, um, you know, the coronation of Baker Mayfield three, version 3.0 uh, was happening until he had to play a game with everything on the line, and then he Baker Mayfield it up. And if you just look at that box score, you'll say, oh, well, he threw for two touchdowns again, and, you know, he got a bunch of guys involved. Well, no, not really. Like, nobody was involved except for Mike Evans for three quarters of that game. Like the the quarterback play was he was outplayed badly by Derek Carr through three quarters of that game, you know, and then he threw a desperation pass to Godwin and in, in injury in garbage time, you know, and it padded the box score right. and made it look closer than it was. But that was one way traffic, and there were key turnovers, and Dennis Allen's defense had those guys locked down. Um, and then you know I looked at New Orleans. And you would say they could take care of business against Atlanta at home. And as you know, Carl, Atlanta's been hot garbage on the road for a long time. But you look at the Saints and some of their trends when they're favored at home, and it's not its not real pretty. Um, from, a, from a betting standpoint, covering, and even from a wins and losses standpoint. And so it's like every time somebody in that division has had a chance to be the man, right? It started with Atlanta probably six weeks ago, and you look at their schedule and said, well, maybe this Heineke thing, right? They just won't F it up as much at the quarterback spot. And it's a really good defense. And they can run the ball four different ways, right? And then they effed it up. And then Todd Bowles was there, right? And his team had a chance to, well, if they take care of business at home, they played six road games in an eight-game stretch. And they're still first place in the division somehow. And then they screw it up. So part of me is like, Dennis Allen will screw this. Like, now it's sitting there for Dennis Allen and Derek Carr. There's a big part of me that thinks those two will jack it up. Because have you seen that? <laughs> right? And then this thing will be in total chaos by you know three thirty Eastern time Sunday afternoon. Um, I, I I have a hard time stumping for 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 any of these teams. Um, I, I, you go back to the first game, the Saints somehow had four hundred and forty four yards against these guys, but went zero and five in the red zone. You know, Atlanta ran up 230 rushing yards, basically. Um, I don't know. I mean, maybe Atlanta, like the Saints can't stop the run. Who knows? Maybe Atlanta rises up and, and wins this game. Um, and then you you would also think as bad as Tampa screwed up, they can't lose to Carolina, right? No. Like they, no. Can't, they can't lose to, to Carolina, can they? I mean, no. Todd Bowles is going to blitz the hell out of out of Bryce Young, right? And that worked really well the first time they faced him. Hell, it's worked for everybody who's done it pretty much against Bryce Young. And that they'll render this Saints game, you know, a, a moot point because they'll find a way to beat the Panthers even if, if it's 6-3. That's um, right. So I would think they still take care of business, um, but it'll probably be – It'll probably be screwy, you know. It'll probably be a, a tough go of it for fans 
of all those three teams that are at least whatever, somewhat viable. Um, and then the same thing, like in the AFC South, Beathard played okay. You know, I don't know if, if Trevor Lawrence will be back for this game or not. But, like, they're playing a Tennessee team that looks pretty broken right now. Yeah. You know, can can they just find a way to beat Tennessee? Um, you know, Levis is banged up again. Like, now it's Tannehill. You know, Derrick Henry, it looks like the end of the road. But, you know, those guys like to be a spoiler too. So does somebody rise up there and, and you know, make that more interesting than it can be? There was a time where Tennessee was still really good at home. That's not even the case anymore. You know, the Jags rolled up 34 points on them in the first game between those two teams. Um, you know, can can they survive that? Uh, I would think so. I would yeah. guess so. I don't have great conviction about it, though. And that game Saturday night will be one of the more interesting games on this docket. You know, C.J. Stroud came back and looked the part immediately and lifted yes. that offense, even though yeah. they've got injuries and other key spots to that offense. Um, he came back, and it was uh, like he didn't miss two weeks, and it was a smooth operation. Uh, and and they won uh, in pretty emphatic fashion. And Gardner Minshew, you know, the Colts won, but I, I think there's some still some questions, obviously, to ask about them. It was a must-win game against the Raiders, and they found a way to win. Um, but this Texans team will, will be a very different matchup. So, yeah, that's a that's a playoff game. Both teams have everything to play for uh, in Indianapolis on Saturday night, and that that should be uh, that should be fun. I, I want to just mention this, Jason, as we talk about this last week, and we're going to talk more about this Thursday because there are coaches who think they're safe, <laughs> probably are not. But I got to mention yeah. this since we're talking about the AFC and the NFC South, NFC South specifically um, with Arthur Smith. This team went to Chicago and laid an egg, like literally just wet the bed, right? In the biggest, most important game where you win, you're, you're inching closer to creating your own destiny at the end of the season, which I think the percentage for them to get in, I'm talking about the Falcons guys, but this is a, a question that is going to be answered on, on Black Monday, whether or not he's back. But there are coaches, and, and this is a, a general statement, there are coaches we're going to talk about in the next week, next few days, that you've seen enough. Arthur Smith is one of those individuals, Jason, where you're three years in, you're not going to have a winning season, who cares about winning the division, your team improved, and yet the coaching went backwards. And you see how offensively inept this team has been. Yeah. There are coaches we're going to talk about where you've seen enough. And then there are situations like Ron Rivera where they just have new ownership and you go, well, okay, they're going to move on. Yeah. But Arthur Smith is one of these interesting cases where the owner may fall in love with the idea that, oh, it'll be better next year and stay the course instead of deciding to fire him and say three years is enough. It doesn't take three years for me to see what I need to see. And so I just want to mention that because there are a lot of coaches who think they're safe right now. We're going to dive into it. I know we are. We'll get to each one of these guys. But since we're talking about the NFC South, this week, if they don't show up against the Saints, I just – I don't know how you stay the course. Even without this week, you should know right now where this should be. I agree 100%. There's people out there in the media who are trying to tell you that everything's cozy everywhere because – 
Like, what else would PR guys whisper in your ear with two weeks left? I mean, they're going to tell you, oh, I, I think our guy's going to be all right. Like, I got news for you. They're often the last to know. Uh, no, I don't think I don't think Arthur Smith was on uh, steady ground going into that game last weekend, despite what you might have read. And uh, th- there's a guy in that organization. He doesn't get talked about a whole lot nationally, but you would know, uh, Carl, how uh, powerful he is. Rich McKay. Yes. And you can often tell which way the wind's blowing by Rich. Why? Who was Rich McKay behind and not behind? And and um. You know, he's on the NFL's competition committee, been around the league a long time, been a right-hand man for Arthur Blank. Some thought his power might be fading. Then he got the stadium built, right, and changed the whole course of the franchise. And now he's his, he's a made man probably as long as Arthur Blank owns that team. Like, it, when Rich McKay is no longer going to the mat for you, you're probably cooked. And the way I hear it is Rich McKay can't go to the mat. As much as you'd like for this hire to look good, as much as you'd like to try to justify it, yep. like the gains they've made are on the defensive side of the ball, and he hasn't had a whole lot to do with it. Like the head coach, I mean, the the, the offense hasn't progressed. No, no player in that offense exceeded expectation. Even B. John Robinson, people are like, we should have seen more. You know yep. what I mean? Like the the Drake London, Kyle Pitts, they've had the occasional moment, but no, I, I don't see by any measure uh, them not making a change. I would be shocked if they don't make a change. And even some of Arthur Blank's mannerisms, him not talking to the media after that last game, some of the things he said two weeks ago when he did talk, uh, he's not happy. He's not pleased. At the league meetings a few weeks back, people who ran into him or ran into Rich came away with the decided feeling that they're not pleased and they think it was an opportunity lost. That division has been in transition, not just their franchise. You saw the end of the of the the Breeze thing, then the quick end of the Brady thing that was only a couple years, right? Yep. Like yep. Carolina's been a t- bunch of buffoonery and jackassery since that crybaby bought that team, right? Like no one's trending up during the 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 Arthur Smith era, including the Arthur Smith Falcons. Never trended up. That's a problem. It is a problem. There are more coaches to discuss. More jobs will be open. We know Black Monday next week after the season is op- over, uh, coaches will get got. It's just part of what, what happens. Um, Philly fans are not going to like this next this next conversation because it's just what it is. Philly is fading. And I don't know if Nick Sirianni has the answers. And I'm watching this game where <laughs> they're up 21-6 on the Cardinals, Okay. Jonathan Gannon comes back to the crib and they make a comeback and Nick Sirianni is still trying to figure it out, Jason. And here's the other part. On the other side where Jonathan Gannon was the defensive coordinator and now he's the coach of the Cardinals, there's a guy named Matt Patricia who's calling the defensive calls now because Sirianni made that halfway through the season or, you know, a few weeks ago, I'm going to change the play calling. Anyways, Cardinals come back and they win this game. And here's the thing, guys, and this is why Philly is fading, and this is why you should be concerned. One, the offense is not what it was. Two, they can't stop the run. They're giving up 31 points in their last six games. That is not something where you go, oh, it's a one-week deal. This is a trend that you've seen over a six-week period, Jason, where they, they're not good against stopping the run. So James Conner, James Conner had 128 yards against these guys. 
So what the hell is going to happen in the playoffs when you start playing teams you've talked about, whether it's the Lions, okay, or the Rams, or whoever you're going to get, and they go, we're going to run the ball down your throat. Yeah. No, it's going to be a problem. I mean, if the Packers get in the way they're running the ball right now. um, When you turn to Matt Patricia – you got problems, man. When when you fancy yourself a Super Bowl contender and the answer in week 15 is let's see what Patricia can do calling plays, you might be effed. Like you you might not be your year. Uh yeah, they've given up 25 points or more in five of the last six games. They've given up 80 points in the last three weeks alone. And again, that's not um, you know, that's not facing the 81 San Diego Chargers and you know the the, you know, whatever, the Marv Levy Buffalo Bills. Uh, that's play, That's that's facing some flawed offensive teams, right? The, the Giants made a quarterback change in the middle of that streak. Yep. And they still hung 25 on you at home. I, I, I think, um, yeah, defensively, I think that thing is broken. And I'm also hearing there's unrest offensively and that there may have been a bit of a shuffle there. Maybe not in terms of who's calling the plays, but sort of how plays are called and how many voices are involved. Like mm. it's it's not all it's not all roses and you know creme fresh with the offensive group either. Uh, but the defensive breakdown here is jarring because you you've got a bad dome team beat at home dead to rights with a big lead, and part of it was the Eagles didn't run the ball the way I thought they would in that scenario. But you let you you pointed it out. The Cardinals ran themselves back into that game. They did. Right? Like, how is that? How are you going to let that? Like, how can that happen? Um, And now you left the door wide open for Dallas. Like, Dallas got a double gift. The refs hand them a game on Saturday night, and then the Eagles hand them a game on Sunday afternoon. Even a team like Tampa, who on the course of the year, the run game looks terrible and you look at their year stats and it looks terrible <clears throat> there have been games where they got Rashad White going and I'll say this they're not afraid to run the ball and stick with it even when it's not going incredibly well for them like they get for a team that's like 32nd in the league in rushing there's more volume there than you would think so even they could be a little bit tricky for this Eagles team um I just I think they're broken defensively, and I don't think they're going to fix. And the offense is not that um, road grading unit of a couple years ago or the quick strike unit that we saw last year where anytime they needed a big play, play action, bomb to A.J., bomb to Devontae, bomb to the tight end. That just, that's been in fits and starts. So, yeah, I, I think the Giants, like this game is this game opened at 41 between the Eagles and the Giants. And I'm just – I keep digging into the numbers thinking, am I missing something here? Like, the Giants have nothing to lose, right? And Tyrod Taylor is going to chuck the ball all over the place. Yeah. And the Eagles still need to try to win this game. Like, because Dallas might slip up in Washington and you're playing simultaneously. Hey, the Eagles just they, – they need a win. Like, they, they really need a win to go into the playoffs with some sort of confidence. I have a hard time thinking this is a defensive slog played in the teens. You know, this to me isn't 20 to 18, but what do I know? Um, I think both these teams let it sort of all hang out and, 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 you know, they, they, what they combined for 
58 points two weeks ago. So, yeah, I don't know, Carl. I, I have a hard time vouching for the Eagles right now. It's gotten uglier and it's gotten uh, more palace drama as each week has gone on. And Jason, do you think they thought this was going to be easy? Like, what, 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 what do you attribute this to? Because listen, we've seen teams in covering all these years in the NFL where the talent's there. Eagles are talented as hell, right? Defensively, they've drafted the right way. They should be more stout up front, which is why it's surprising the teams are running the ball against them. Is there not the buy-in that there was? I mean, what the hell is really going on? I think it's it's not that often that a team loses their offensive and defensive coordinator in the same cycle. And I think okay. Sirianni is still a young coach, and they lost both of them. And, like, the next guys up weren't as good. It wasn't the same. Um, they, they couldn't – they didn't have the immediate answers – when adversity hit and it certainly hasn't brought out the best in them by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, it just, it just hasn't. And, you know, Brian Johnson, it, it might've been a little soon for him. And then on the other side of the ball, defensively, they went outside the organization instead of staying from within. Right. And what was already known there. And it never took hold. It never took hold to the point where Sean Desai got demoted three weeks ago. Like, I think the seeds of it start right there. Um, the brain drain thing can be real. And when both sides of the ball are dealing with that much change, I think it pulls the head coach in a lot of different directions. Uh, I, I I definitely think that matters. And it, it doesn't happen that often where you, you lose them both. And it's not like either one had been there all that long. That was still a pretty young staff that just yeah. all themselves came together a few years ago. So I, I think it was a lot for Sirianni to have to handle in real time. I think they'd like to do some things differently if they could. I think they would have stayed in-house for the defensive coordinator job and just promoted Denard Wilson, who did a great job running their secondary, who then left and came to Baltimore. All of a sudden, Baltimore went from a team that gave up big plays all over the place uh, playing zone last year to number one defense in the NFL. Hmm. Uh, but that doesn't excuse the players, you know, and, and the role that they've they've played in it by any stretch of the imagination. And there is something to that whole, right, the, the, the Super Bowl runner-up the following year, it's right, tough. tends to have a hell of a time even getting to the playoffs, let alone getting back to the Super Bowl. And – when things started getting tough, when they stopped winning games, they've had a hard time figuring out how to win them again. All right, last thing, my friend. We're back Thursday, guys. Baldy's going to join us. We're breaking down the games heading into the last weekend of the uh, season. We talked about it. There are going to be some big matchups. We'll get more in-depth into those matchups and then also talk about some of the coaching changes that we think are coming up on Thursday. Make sure you're here um, to join us. Coach of the year, is it Kevin Stefanski with the Browns with all the – Stuff they've been through. Is it D'Amico Ryans? Dude, that's a three-win team last year. Three wins. And they, they're playing for a, a chance at the division or a wild card berth on Sunday. Who's your guy like right now heading into the last week of the, the, the season? Or is it hard? Those guys Hell. are certainly worthy. Well, I think Sean McVay. Like Sean McVay is another name that to me jumps out immediately. 
I thought that team was dying at their bye. You know, yep. I, I thought the story was going to be why didn't they trade everybody at the deadline and just start over, you know? Um, and, and ultimately, my gut is Stefanski gets it. I mean, he's won games with four different quarterbacks. That team has had to reinvent three times, four times through the course of the season. Um, they play in a really tough division, right? In a really tough conference. And they've they've dealt with plenty of adversity. A lot of it surrounding a quarterback who the owner wanted. I mean, that whole thing happened because of the owner. They're, that what no, the GM and the coach weren't leading that chase. They weren't running around the country begging for you know, Deshaun Watson. They just weren't. And, yeah, I think that team could have splintered a bunch of different ways, and it didn't. And, and the high Jim Schwartz defensively turned out to be a master stroke, right? Like, that's got to play a role in it as well. You know, it's not just those these 18 weeks, but it's how what you did in the offseason to get better in terms of your staff and your preparation. And last year with Jacoby Brissett, that was a playoff offense. The defense had all this talent, but why don't they play together? Why don't they play as a unit? You know, what's going on there? And they they fixed that on the fly. And I think you have to give the head coach a lot of credit for that. Um, and this Flacco thing is just ridiculous. It's crazy. Um, it's crazy. So yeah, I, I think I think it's I think I mean look again, you can you can make a strong case. There's three, four, five worthy guys. Absolutely. Um, D'Amico Ryan's being being right up there um yeah but we've also talked about that division right and how watered down that division is and how weird the afc south is i think for stefanski to have done what he's done in the afc north and if, if you if, if you don't believe that the afc north is that legit just just go watch what they do to the other divisions they face go watch what the afc north did to the jacksonville jaguars season they had to play three straight AFC North games that wrecked their season. They were running out of players. They are running out of ideas. They went from possible one seed to now playing week 18 just to make sure that they win the division. You know, go 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 look at the NFC West, right? And I think that's a really good division with some really smart coaches. Go look at what happened when they played the AFC North, right? Well, we can make excuses for San Francisco all we want. They got emasculated by the Ravens. They got they got trounced by the Bengals. Now I know Trent Williams didn't play and all, right? And Debo didn't play. They got trounced at, at home by the Bengals. You know what I mean? They lost. And I know guys started getting hurt in Cleveland. But what happened when San Francisco played in Cleveland? They lost. Right? Yeah. Like, you know, these like for Stefanski to have done what he's done in the AFC North, like they trying to fire Mike Tomlin and run Mike Tomlin out of town. You know, like <laughs> went up ten wins again. Tomlin might be back in the playoffs. That's supposedly the runt of the of the litter. Like Joe Burrow got hurt how long ago? The Bengals Wait. beat the Browns in a game that the Browns don't need this weekend. The Bengals go nine and eight. They go nine and eight in the AFC North, and Joe Burrow wasn't right the first four weeks and didn't play the second half of the season, and they still might finish nine and eight. So I think it's Kevin Stefanski. You know, you can say I got an AFC North bias. That's fine. I, maybe I do. Uh, I, I think you. I think you're on it. That's that's. I think I think you're on it. There's a lot of turmoil to overcome, and he's overcome it. And you can say like, "Hey, how much did he have to do with these quarterback?" He's choosing who to play and who not to play. So I'm with you. 
Jason, great job, man. Read him in the Washington Post. Follow us uh, on social media and come back Thursday, guys. Subscribe, like us in the huddle, in the huddle pod on YouTube. Don't miss an episode. Things are going to get interesting here heading into the last week. Jason, I'll talk to you on Thursday, brother. We'll see you soon, guys. Take care. Twenty four hundred sports is an Odyssey company.